get my water where I can reach it without knocking over everything. So, this is Following After Christ, part one, and the title of this one is Righteousness. Um, we're going to be going through some verses, but um, let me say that righteousness is something that is, refer is referenced to God and to God alone. It is something that has been given. It is not something that you can earn. It is um, something that... Um, has been um, considered or put upon a person. And we're going to be going through this. And you may be thinking, why am I doing this? So in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, kind of sets the, sets the tone of, of where we're going through this. And I, in order to get the context, I'm going to start at the very beginning. Uh, Mike is always reminding me about context. And, and, and I'm, I'm Always can, you know, I just keep on hearing him say, but Greg, what about the context? What about the context? I'll get the context. <laughs> so brethren, my heart's desire, Romans chapter 10, verse one, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Basically, he's indicating the fact that he, he, he wants to take the head knowledge and, and everything, and he wants to make it into a heart, a relationship with God, which is um, exactly what God wants. A circumcised heart, um, one dedicated to God, not just based on knowledge, but based on a relationship. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So this is the, this is basically the foundation for what a lot of people struggle. And it's not just, it's not just the Jews, but it's also us Gentiles as well too. in the fact that, that we want to in some way, shape or form be the solver of, uh, uh, of our own problems or be the solver of a solution fixing it is a, is a big thing. Uh, we want to see it. We want to see a problem. We want to fix it. We want to, we want to do that. And so basically what, what he's saying is, is that through their knowledge, they're trying to actually have this relationship and basically trying to work in comparison to what other people are doing. So like, I, I know that I'm doing right because I've done all these things. See all the, th all the stuff that I have done, are they not good things? It's like, well, maybe nobody can argue the fact that they are good things, but a relationship with God is centered in Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. So that being the case, a relationship with God is first foundationally by priority through Jesus. And by, by Jesus, by that belief in Jesus, righteousness is found. And it says here, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to being bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
for with the with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says who whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between jew and greek for the same lord over all is rich and to all who call upon him okay What's interesting about that, that portion, the end of the law, a lot of, lot of things, if you were to look back and actually look up what that Greek word really truly means, it actually, it, it is the, it, it basically means like a result, not an end, whereas in like you, you end a sentence, but the end of like a race, it's the goal is it would be more of more appropriate um, uh, interpretation of that word. It is the goal of the law. Christ is the goal of the law. Christ is everything. The law was basically pointing at the fact of needing for a savior. The law was basically pointing at the fact of needing for, for somebody to come in and actually to deliver, to save. And so that Greek word um, it is set out um, for, a, for a definite goal or result of. So the law basically was pointing to Jesus the whole entire time because somebody needed to be the Messiah. Somebody needed to be that. And Jesus was sent to this earth to be exactly that. And um, so Christ is the end of the law, the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Okay? So... What is righteousness? Equity is a definition of the Greek word. The giving or desiring to give a person their due. And then justification, all built into this one Greek word. A showing to be just or conformable to the law. Okay, so you have righteousness, which is a, a desire to, to render a person their due, but then justification to show that a person is conformable to the law and showing to be just. So through Jesus, we are shown to be conformable to the law. The end of the law for righteousness. Through Christ, we have this. We cannot do this of ourselves. It is through Christ. So if you will turn, you can keep your hand in Romans if you'd like to kind of reference back and forth. But um, in Psalms 98, 9. And once again, to kind of bring bring text to this, it's a it, this is a a praise um, psalm. And I'm going to start in verse eight, and then I'm going to move in. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. It is something, whereas it, and, and notice that he's being thankful for the fact that the judgment is happening. See, here's the thing. If you have a belief in Jesus, if you have a belief in, in Christ, the Messiah, if you have that belief, 
then judgment is not something to be feared or something to be actually like, oh my word, it's happening, but it's something to be actually joyful. Because the thing about it is, is that, you know, this is basically what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the final time when God actually pronounces and says, okay, this is done. This is done. We are done. And that may be a little bit hard to actually grasp. Let, let me put it to you this way. Do you not look forward to the time of saying goodbye to, to loved ones? Do you not look forward to the time when you can go and, and, and be in the presence of God? You look forward to the time when all this, all the death, all the chaos, all the pain, all the agony is gone away. That does not happen until the judgment. When everybody can actually do that. Now, to those that do not have the hope of salvation, to those who do not have the Christ, the Messiah, that is where we're shining that light to basically say, listen, if you will come, if you will actually understand, if you will understand Jesus, if you will come to know that relationship with Jesus, and they're like, I don't understand. Of course you don't understand. It's because that light is being shined in a dark area of your life, and you've never known that light before. The question is, are you willing to come out of the darkness and be, be willing to humble yourself and allow your life to change? That's the question. Because in the one way, it's like, oh, man, that's just horrible. I mean, how about all these people and whatever? And it's like, but Jesus Christ came and shined a light. And the thing about it is, is that a person has a choice to actually come to the light. It is a choice. And there's people who choose to not do that. And there's people who choose to do that. And that's a really, really, really hard thing. But this is basically the start coming to know Jesus as the Christ. He is the goal of the law or the end of the law to all who accept him, who all who believe in him. The base of the Greek word also means to be made innocent in righteousness, innocent, holy, Remember when God says, be holy, just as I am holy. Holiness is found in Jesus. Holiness is not something that you can earn. You can't be more holy. It is something that is through Jesus. It is given. So when we are talking about following after Christ and we're talking about righteousness and we're talking about what it is, it's basically understanding that a relationship found in Jesus and walking with Jesus and following after Jesus is where all everything gets in. Remember, the goal of the law, the goal, the end result of this is Jesus. Oh, I'm going to make it there because I'm just this really wonderful person. No, it's in Jesus. Oh, I, I need to, you know what? I feel so horrible because today I did this wrong and I did this wrong and I did this wrong. And, and, and it's like, it's nine. No, don't go there. 
This is not about you waking up every single day trying to you know, make a checkbox of all the little things in your life that you need to actually get right. This is about you focusing on Jesus and understanding that is the goal. Let us run the race. Let us cast aside every fetter that would actually, you know, bind us up. Let us run that race. Let's go for the goal. Let's go. Let's concentrate on Jesus. And as we go, shine that light to the people around. All the way to the very end. Let's go. Set out for that goal. The goal in the law governs how people, if you, if you, you know, take the long time to read Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and you, you take that time, which is never a bad thing to actually do, and you take it, there's also some, a few things you, you'll find in Exodus. And we're going to be going over to Leviticus 18, 1 through 5, by the way. So if you want to start heading there, that's perfectly fine. But if you take the time, you'll find out that the law was really designed to, one, to point to the fact of to, to honor God and to love God and that relationship with God and how when a person does something wrong, how they can get back right with one another, with God. Then also um, in that law is also how to keep a right relationship with the people around so that when you do something to offend or to affect another person, what does it take in order for that person to, to make it right or to make amends for said infraction or whatever you have done? Here's the thing. Jesus being the, the, the goal of the law, but it gets 18, one through five, which I find it. And of course I have a bookmark. So why I didn't go to the bookmark, I don't know. And it says here, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord, your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwell, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord, your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Now you may think, oh man, all this law, all this law, all this law. It's like, well, this law that God handed down is the basis for what you remember. It is the goal of what Jesus did in here is, is repentance. What was required of repentance prior to what Jesus has and what he did. And it shows that repentance reveals the need for a messiah because even the priests had to cleanse themselves before they actually worked with others but jesus being the high priest and being that which did not have to cleanse himself before he can actually bring and be that person to actually give our forgiveness through jesus and where we find forgiveness so the goal of the law was to have people, all people, whether they be Jew or whether they be Gentile, come to know a, what, what is repentance. And then also to learn how to love others. Thus, the reason why 
The two things, the whole entire law is founded upon these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the reason why. Because if I love my neighbor, if I do something wrong, I'm going to do automatically, not because of what a law told me, but because I love them. Whether they be enemy, whether I necessarily get along with them or not, whether they get along with me. I will want to make amends for what I have done. Not go up to them and say, well, you know, I did that because you did this to me first. Anybody ever felt like that has ever gone well? Not really. But when I go up to a person and I say, I'm sorry because of what I have done. How can I make amends? I don't bring up their infractions. Why? Because you know what? I'm okay. Go oh, on, okay. Because you know what? Honestly, the end of the goal, everything is to honor Jesus. It's not for me to actually stand up for my rights and get what my rights dictate that I think I should have. But it is about them. And about me showing the love of God to them, the love of Christ to them, so that when they look at me, they can actually say, whether or not they agree with me or not, whether or not they like me or not, whether or not they get along with me or not, they at least can actually say, you know what, but you know what, I have to say. I have to say, he, he, he definitely shows caring and loving. Christ is the goal of the law. Christ is the end of the law. Now we're going to go into Luke chapter 24, 1 through 32, and that's where we're going to end today. And the reason why I'm doing the... Um, like going through the last portion of Luke is because Luke and the book of Acts were written by the same person and written to the same individual. Okay. So when before kind of like, uh, once again, that lesson of context, um, understanding that basically Luke would have pretty much launched after that. And he would have launched upon that foundation of this in the book of Luke. This is who Jesus is. This is what he did. This is what happened. This is where it is, and then launch into the book of Acts and basically say, now, this is the what we're following after. This is what happened. These are the events that happened after. And so get the context, get the foundation, and then we're going to launch into it. So in the next couple of Sundays, um, so uh, you can almost kind of consider this to be the prequel to, to it. And... Luke chapter 24, verse one. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they had certain other women with them, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he but is risen. 
Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Um, here's the thing. In repentance, by the law, every single one that touched that sacrificial, that sacrifice had to be holy. Jesus' blood, every single one that touched him would have actually done that, would actually have fulfilled that law. Because by that very time, because by his stripes we are healed, by that very, very time, his blood was shed for many for the remission of sins. Remember that. When he said that 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 he's a he fulfilled the law, he did it in so many of the little ways that if you really truly look down into it, every single step of the way, he was the sacrifice. He was the one that paid the price for you. He obeyed that law. And he fulfilled it. And he was even fulfilling it when other people didn't even know what he was doing. Truly righteous. Because <laughs> every person that touched him, every person that was around him was a sinner. They're like, well, Greg, who's a sinner and who's not a sinner? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one person alive that can point at one person and say, well, I'm not, but you sure are. Not one person can say that. We're all sinners. And we all need a savior. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. Now, please understand that you know, every single one of them, like, he can't be dead. He can't be dead. It, guaranteed that, you know, they were all trying to say, and I was like, always trying to bring back. But then the reality is like, we saw him, we know he's dead. And, uh, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Amos, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened 
there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who, who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, listen to this, and the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? Oh, my word. Wow. Right? Now, tell me that prayer and Bible reading time is boring. I triple dog dare you. If you're bored during prayer time, you need to read this scripture. Because when you have the opportunity to go and spend time with God, the very one that walks you through everything. Wow. From the time of Moses. See, I know that the scriptures talk about Jesus. You want to know why? Because he expounded upon every single one of those things and said, this is where I, this is, this is what pointed to me. 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 Boom, 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 boom. I am the goal of the law. I am the end of the law. I am what everybody has learned to actually be. I am it. Come to know me. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And from that point on, if you're willing to step into that realm, if you're willing to have a mustard seed of faith and say, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, I am a sinner. And you confess your sins to God and you agree that God raised him from the dead. When you step into that, it is an adventure like no other. Because at that point in time, you are not just learning about, but you are learning from the very creator of heaven and earth. And that's cool. Show me that on TikTok. That's all I'm saying. Show me a person that is excited about the prayer and Bible reading time 
that says, this is my time that I get to talk with and I get to converse and I get to acknowledge the fact that God did something so wonderful for me that I can learn. That's what prayer time. I remember a time and I'll, I'll end with this. This is a short, short sermon. Most people like short sermons. I'll, I'll end with this. I was working at a grocery store. And when I was at the grocery store, we would do cart roundups. Now we didn't have the fancy cart, like, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, like tractors or whatever, but basically they gather up all these, you know, carts or whatever. No, if, if you did 40 carts, you pushed 40 carts. Okay. I got up to 42. My friend got up to 45. We won't talk about him. <laughs> no, but, but. I was doing a cart roundup and it was about lunchtime and, and I was going around all the vehicles in the parking lot, gathering up carts. And I was, I was out there and whatever. And as I passed one of the vehicles that was parked, I noticed that one of my coworkers was actually in there. He was a man who was a carpenter. Um, he worked, but he was needing some extra cash. So he was working at the grocery store for a little bit of time in order to make that cash or whatever. And I noticed, I was like, Hey, uh, why don't you come in and have lunch? He's like, no, it's okay. And I was like, oh, we talked for a little bit. And I was like, well, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just spending time. I looked down in his lap and he had a Bible open. First time I'd ever seen a person actually take break in order to actually make sure that he read his Bible and prayed. I said, oh, you know, I, I see that you're reading your Bible and praying. And, uh, and he's like, yeah. I mean, he didn't make any indication of it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I really need to do that sometime. Which is code for I will make time when I feel the need. Right? He said, yeah, I used to be like that too. I'm like, like what? Because all of a sudden I'm kind of a little offensive at this point in time. And uh, it, because I'm like, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, you know, it's kind of supposed to be one of those obligations thing. I'm supposed to have been reading my Bible all the time, you know, like everybody else, you know. And, and he said, no, 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 I, I, I had to um, pray for the want to read the scripture. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, Praying and reading your Bible isn't supposed to be something that you're bored with. Praying and reading your Bible is supposed to be something that you're excited about. And he said, I will be very honest. I wasn't excited about it at all. And he said, but I prayed and I asked and God answered my prayer. And now I absolutely positively enjoy Bible reading and prayer time. It's something that I enjoy. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know what? I got to go do these carts and I'm going to get that done and whatever. But that little, that little seed kind of planted itself. And over time, I started thinking about what he did. This gentleman, I don't even remember his name, but this gentleman 
was the most loving, caring, and kind person I have seen working in a grocery store ever. Never raised his voice, never got angry, never did any of those things. He was one of the most wonderful people to be around. And when I looked at my life, I said, you know what? I like the example that he set. And he said that if I prayed, that I would learn what it meant to find joy in Bible reading and prayer time. Okay. So I started praying to find joy in Bible reading and prayer time. Didn't happen that day. Didn't happen the next day. But like the next day, I kind of was like, you know, what? I really kind of want to read my Bible. I want to spend a little time in prayer. And before you knew it, I was taking my breaks in order to read my Bible. That gentleman wasn't there for very long. Who in the world knows? As far as I know, he may have, he may have been just an angel that just kind of, who in the world knows? I have no clue. I have no idea. But I will remember what the witness that he did for me. And that set up. So if you're saying, Greg, I really do need to eventually at some point in time read my Bible and pray, I'm going to tell you. I used to be like that. Pray for the want to. And you're going to find something that is so very, very amazing. And it's going to be specific to you, and it's going to be specific to God and you, that relationship. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. Greg, I need a friend. You, find, you have a friend in Jesus. I need somebody I can talk to about anything. Yep, you have a friend in Jesus. So as we go through this series, understand about righteousness, understand that Christ is the, the end of the law. He is the goal. He is the ultimate result. And as we're following after him, we're going to be learning a lot of stuff. So um, next week, um, I'm going to see if there's anything that in, in the latter portion we might end up Luke next week. But we, were, we will, um, I'm going to try to head on into the book of Acts as we journey this. And we're going to learn about the disciples and we're going to learn about what that all looked like and how they responded and, what, and, and how they taught and some of the things that they handed down to us as future followers of Christ to actually learn from and to make note of and where their focus was. And I can tell you that Jesus was the priority of their lives. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for this time. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. And I pray, Lord God, that as we, as we go through this series, I pray, Lord God, that you may open our hearts and minds, that we may just learn more about you, and that we may take that journey, take that, that walk, that step into finding out more about you. In your name I pray. Amen.